Good evening, cruisers. Thanks again so much for tuning in to your favorite technology resource, Cruising on the Cutting Edge. I am your driver, Wellington Froelich, and together in our leather bucket seats, we traverse this nation seeking the most exciting technology, the most thrilling stories of testing, and most of all, we are future junkies. Similar to crime junkies, but future junkies. Pondering practical applications as well as the insane. This week we are headed from soft, the soft shores of the East Coast in North Carolina to the frozen plains of, and mountains of Montana, where they offer many interesting degrees, including biofilm engineering. In a way, yes, we are watching great movies, masterpiece classics on this trip tonight of little tiny organic things, but it is also much more than that. My goodness, folks, this is actually a real gem I found for us, and I really can't wait to get into it. But first, we're going to have to fuel up with, a, with some uh, small announcements uh, before we hit the road. Big shout out to my friend Big Willie the electrician working at Trans Astro's new headquarters. He has tuned in to every single episode, as far as I'm aware. He was already asking me when the next one was going to come out. So thanks so much, Willie. Uh, this one's for you, brother. Um, for those of you who don't know who I am, I am an aerospace engineer at Trans Astro, the world's only space mining technology company out there, and the world's most efficient orbital logistics company, taking your satellite where it needs to go, with our patent-pending omnivore rocket engine. So hit us up if you need to send something to space. Also, I had a great talk with a particle physicist this past week from CERN. I covered a paper of his recently on the Lunar Particle Collider concept and wanted to get more information out of it, so I um, emailed him uh, back in early January. Uh, he was kind enough to grant me a good hour of cruising on the cutting edge of particle physics with him. So now, uh, I have uploaded the first video for the show to YouTube at the Cruisin' on the Cutting Edge channel. I already have uh, another researcher in mind for the next video, and I'm really excited about her. I met her back at Purdue, and she's working on some interesting, interesting stuff. And then, I have the next interview scheduled for, or with my boss, which will be also super exciting. You'll get to hear more about what I do on a daily basis. And, uh, and you'll get to love it. And by the way, next week, I hope to take us on a trip to Alaska. <laughs> we haven't made it that far yet, but I, but we will because I have an urge to go see what's what up there. Yes, sir. So folks, about that time. And let's step on into our leather bucket seats. So let's step on into our leather bucket seats, which are conveniently bolted to the bottom of our 1962 red with wood paneling Willie's Wagoneer and make our way nice and easy over to good old Bozeman, Montana, to the beautiful snowy campus of Montana State University. In the halls of the engineering department, where everyone smells of beaver hides and cheap beer, there lives a laboratory that much like what it studies has grown metastasized, if you will, from its initial funding from the federal government back in the 90s. The Center for Biofilm Engineering is a world-renowned lab with 50% more citations than Harvard. 
Who would have thunk? Not me. <laughs> Here in this lab, they study groups of microbes or tiny living creatures that group up into slimy films that are hard to get rid of. And as one might expect, these have both pros and cons. Tonight, cruisers, we are going to talk about some recent research into the beneficial aspects of biofilms. As per usual, we will slip slide our way down slimy filmy theory lane, then down and around hardware and testing square, followed by a turn back to the on-ramp to the future. So in the paper titled, Fracture Sealing with Microbially Induced Calcium Carbonate Precipitation, a Field Study, authored by Adrian Phillips et al., they assert that their technology, what they call biomineralization, or the act of using microbes to produce desired minerals, like carbonates, can help plug fractures in oil well bore sites that lead to loss of fuel and emissions of toxic gases. So how does this work? It sounds wonderful, but why, and, and, and it sounds wonderful, but why is it better than other methods? So one of the first lines in the paper I read, which I thought was very interesting, was microbes, which again are these tiny little uh, organic creatures, bacteria, for example, uh, microbes can alter the chemistry of their surrounding environments. I had to think, well, you know, wait, wait that, that seems like some small superpower, doesn't it? But, uh, you know, the act of breathing out by us, I'd say, changes the chemical um, environment around us by increasing the intensity of, say, carbon dioxide uh, briefly. But uh, these, these guys, these microbes, can create much more impactful transformations. The chemical reaction we are specifically interested in today is the creation of calcium carbonate, or CaCO3 which is mother's, Mother Nature's way of storing carbon uh, from the atmosphere. Examples of it in nature include seashells and coral reef. It's sort of uh, somewhat of, uh, been described as uh, a super rock. Now there is a way to get this rock into cracks and fractures deep in oil wells and, and, and other wells um, and, and silos uh, that I imagine. Um, uh, with, with the help of our little friends here. Bacteria sometimes contain enzymes, which can also be found in uh, our spit, actually, or, um, which help break things down and digest them. The enzyme of interest in this story is called urease. Urease helps out a lot in this recipe. It's almost like using Mr. Clean to cut through grease because microorganisms will take urea um, a waste product and some water, um, hit it with the enzyme urease and obtain CO3, carbonate molecules. Then when this molecule uh, is flushed with um, some calcium, it creates a hard, hard rock virtually overnight. And the improvements um, are you know, slim in these sort of technologies and in these research papers, but the, the novel application in this specific paper has to do with the strategy of how a strategy of how to inject this really, you know, essentially liquid rock into the fracture to encourage even spread. And of course, the key, if you couldn't already imagine, was timing. They figured out. It seems many of the research papers I've covered recently uh, mentioned the use of time as a way to get what you want. 
But uh, the key is to time when to feed the bacteria with more urea and brine or salt water. And they worked it out through hardware and testing square. But before we get there, I just want to mention that this method of plugging um, oil wells is far superior than, say, using concrete because of the viscosity of the bacteria and the urea and the brine. It's very low viscosity, so it'll fill right into those cracks uh, as opposed to concrete, which is very viscous and you basically have to force it. It won't probably fill the whole, whole fracture. So, folks, let's go on to uh, hardware and testing square. So, cruisers, as we make a turn now onto the infamous testing square, I want to note I uh, covered two papers here for this one because the first one was more about a uh, the, the, the field test was more about a commercial test and less so about the theory behind it. So I had to dig back deeper and try and learn more about it. Um, the original paper talks about their laboratory experiments using um, cores made in Alabama with sandstone, just like a thing of dirt, really compact dirt, of course. <laughs> they create uh, they created a fracture inside this core by sending water down in a swirling radial fashion for, for a good amount of time. And then they began their tests and they realized that at first their bacteria would essentially dry out and the fracture would continue to leak. Then they decided to add more urea growth compound and brine overnight and the magic started to happen. They saw the fracture plugged and noticed samples of carbonite formed in the core, which is perfect and exactly what they wanted. They were originally concerned uh, with the blocking, uh, with blocking the entrance to um, deeper parts of the fracture with rock, uh, uh, this, this created rock, before they had a chance to get into the back and plug the fracture more evenly, which is why I believe they first experienced the drying out. Um, so after the, their first six, their first few successful lab tests, a couple of years have gone by. Um, that was a 2013 paper. This is a 2016 or 17 paper. They then went to a commercial well that had been shut down, uh, called the, uh, gorgeous well, I think, or George's G O R G A S. It's a test well to see what was down there. Um, where they blew a radial fracture with immense water pressure um, in, in, inside the well around uh, 350 meters down below the surface, which is about a quarter mile deep. Uh, they brought in their, then they brought in their favorite bacteria, S. pasturii, and cultivated it on site in what they call carboys, which I had to look up and are actually those um, plastic jugs used in office water fountains, you know, um, and, and um, portable um, water fountains. Then uh, they performed their practiced and perfected strategy of balancing feeding the bacteria the right amount of urea and saltwater brine over time. And after about five days, they finished because the pressure required to pump any more content down there, any more saltwater urea brine, um, was almost the same as the fracture pressure they had blown the original one, uh, uh, they blown the original fracture at. So after those five days, they tested the well to see how well it would hold high pressures. And sure enough, it blew up at even higher pressures, 116 atmospheric uh, pressures compared to uh, atmospheres, compared to nine, 96 atmospheres, um, which, uh, they, uh, which they used to blow the fracture originally. 
uh, in case you wanted to know. Um, uh, and in case you wanted to know, one, one atmosphere is what you and I are experiencing right now at uh, sea level. Um, the one thing I need to see uh, in the paper were, you know, some awesome imagery, uh, images of the explosions. I really wanted to see that, but, uh, you know, uh, no luck there. I mean, I imagine there was some dust, rocks that shot out of the well. I really wanted to see that. A sample uh, was taken a year later to help see what had gone down on, um, down there. Gone on. What happened? Turns out the results were better than expected. The calcium carbonate formed deep uh, deep into the fracture, deeper than they had uh, expected. They were a couple. Uh, uh, there were a couple things that they were unaware of. If um, uh, if if if. They were un there were there were a couple things that uh, may have affected this though, and they weren't sure. They couldn't get more uh, data from down below because it's so far deep, um, and there was possible presence of other bacteria in the fracture uh, already, which helped may have helped grow the calcium carbonate out, and the presence of just other stuff actually could have harmed the bacteria. So perhaps it even underperformed, and um, they could have gone further and further. So. Um, that is hardware intestine square, very interesting stuff, very big operations. And, um, and yeah, so folks, let's turn back on to the on-ramp to the future. Now, cruisers turning back on to the on-ramp to the future. The Center for Biofilm uh, Engineering is already far ahead of this, the game on this one. You know, that was a 2016 paper. They have so many applications of using these clumps and slimes of microbes. It's, it's not even funny. They're coming out with new work. It seems like almost every month I took a new, look at their newsletter and it's crazy. They, uh, they're working on using them to help break plastics down and work them into mortars as a way to recycle them and make the mortar even stronger. And we're talking those terrible plastics types three through seven, which are hard to do, um, hard to recycle. They are also working on a machine that will rapidly and automatically test for um, uh, uh, terrible and um, harmful microbes in space uh, on the uh, on the space station in low gravity and enabling longer duration space flights because um, people in, that go to space get immunocompromised with all the radiation, temperature swings, and and low low gravity. So this rapid analyzation and results. Um, is 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 a key to longer duration in flights they are uh then actually bringing this back down for use in rural areas like yellowstone park which means to me that they are prepping for the zombie apocalypse um <laughs> in case you know they have to flee there and test people who may arrive in their at their compound in yellowstone park anyway just that honestly i think this field uh and the applications could be endless. Uh, it is almost, it is just like the metal organic frameworks that we talked about a while ago, the, the MOFTICs or MOFs. Um, they can do so many things as long as you know the right recipe, essentially. Uh, of course, you know, one of my thoughts goes immediately to asteroids. Would it be possible to, you know, send a space hardened bacteria to the asteroids to break them up? Um, and see what's inside of them or, or to mine them. Asteroids tend to be very porous. So if you send these guys in and then feed them calcium, would they, you know, harden it or, or would they break it up and, and, and we could 
see inside of them easier. The thought of uh, future, you know, humans <laughs> finding um, seashells on an asteroid is funny to me, though, um, and hence the name of the title, because that's essentially what would, yeah, uh, be found in the future if we did that. But you know, not sure. I'll ask. I'll ask my boss about that one. Actually, he'll have an answer for sure. So, folks, where where could you see the applications of such bacteria in your practical life? Uh, one of the big cons, uh, just to address these, of biofilms is that they could populate and contaminate pipelines, water pipelines, everything. Um, so uh, there is that um, to be thinking about. You know, I'm actually curious if there is biofilms out there that can help grow crops by breaking minerals out from the air and bring them to the roots in the soil. All these questions I have, and you should be having them too, and please comment on them below. Cruisers, I just wanted to wrap this, uh, um, it's not, not below, but comment on them. Send me an email at cruisingwithwellington.com or at gmail.com. Uh, and again, yeah, uh, let me know. I'm looking forward to those emails uh, for the mail truck time. So that's it uh, for this episode. Cruisers, I just wanted to wrap up this show by saying this lab is absolutely amazing. It makes me really happy to see interesting tech-heavy research being led in you know, what I thought was rural Montana. I would uh, never have thought to look there for going to school, for example, but if this interests you, this might be the place to go, no matter your age, really. Also, I would like to note, uh, I thought I, I thought of this place, not because I found it on a webpage or something, but actually because my buddies and I um, drove by it one time on a detour trip around Yellowstone National Park, which is about an hour away. So all I can say is beautiful, brilliant, and biofilmy about this place. <laughs> Thanks again, cruisers, for tuning in to another episode of Cruising on the Cutting Edge. Please share with your friends and like the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Anchor. Leave a review as well. Feedback is fuel. And um, don't forget, please go check out the video I posted. It's really the cutting edge. I will see you in the leather bucket seats next week. Cruisers, uh, my song recommendation for this episode is called Black Smoke Rising by Greta Van Fleet. It's a little different than the ones I usually recommend, but check it out anyway, it's fun. <laughs>